0: just switch things around and just do things differently, like every Sunday. (laughs) So um, this morning, I just felt like God wanted me to share this first before we start worship um, for the purpose of setting our minds on some things and meditating on some things as we go into worship, and um, it's kind of along the same theme. I started last week talking about the spiritual mind versus the natural mind, and these these are all... uh, You know, Tommy and I and the leadership team, too, just feeling like since Lydia's team came, we need to have some clarity and teaching and understanding of all that took place. And uh, because um, the things that we walked through then, pretty powerful, right? So awesome, got levels of freedom. People got set free in different places, um, in hearts and minds. But there, uh, it was different for a lot of people. It was challenging. Some questions arose out of those things. And we're not afraid to talk about that here at all. You know, we're very open to every type of dialogue. If there's a question, we want it asked. We want conversation around it. We want to look biblically at what is being done and said so that we can have understanding and unity as a body about what God is doing. And something that has been, um, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about is this very theme of the spiritual mind versus the natural mind. Because as we begin to walk into some spiritual things, some supernatural things, it will challenge your natural mind. Absolutely, 100%. And that's okay, as long as our natural minds are submitted to the spirit, you know, well, where the questions come in, usually natural mind. We start to think, OK, well, how can be this be and where is this and what is that? Typically, not always, some of those are spiritual questions, spiritual thoughts born of the spirit. Right. But a lot of times it's born of our natural man that has a difficulty comprehending spiritual things because we live so much of our life in the natural realm, right? We eat, we drink, we sleep, we have relationship with people, all in the natural. Things are being touched and communicated and, and we see things and we, we walk by what we're seeing and not in a negative way. That is the natural world. That's how we are. So w- we're, we're prone to the natural man, the natural mind. And God is really bringing us as a community into spiritual mindedness, spiritual thinking that we could grapple with some of the supernatural things that are taking place and will only increase in our midst if we don't stifle it with too much natural. Okay, so I'm going to read some scriptures here today. We're going to talk about it briefly, and we're going to have more conversations about this moving forward. Um, So... So, Father, we just welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We thank you that you are ruling and reigning over us. We've given you our yes. We've opened wide the door for you to come and speak and move and and have your way in our hearts, have your way in our minds, renew our minds, God, in truth that we might know you more, that we might encounter you more. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 1 Corinthians, which is where... I've been a lot, I shared last week a little bit of that, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 17, I'm going to read a a chunk of scripture, verse 17 to 25. So bear with me, because I am going to read it in the Amplified, so that makes it, like, triple the length. Um, Bear with me, I will bring highlights back, so just try to listen. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17, this is Paul, again, writing to the Church of Corinth. And he's talking to a mixed group of people, and he's trying to solidify them in the gospel, reminding them of what it is. He said, for Christ the Messiah sent me not to baptize, but to evangelize by preaching the glad tidings, the gospel, and that not with verbal eloquence, lest the cross of Christ should be deprived of force and emptied of its power and rendered vain fruitless, void of value, and of no effect. That's one verse, okay? (laughs) So he's saying, uh, maybe I'll just capture each one. He didn't come to talk so eloquently that everyone was just like, wow, he speaks so well, we must follow him. He said, no, I I didn't come to speak. I came uh, because if I did that, the cross would be made fruitless. It would have no effect. Right. And he goes on, and he says, for the story and the message of the cross is sheer absurdity and folly to those who are perishing and on their way to perdition. But, but to us who are being saved, it is the manifestation of the power of God, for it is written, I will baffle and render useless and destroy the learning of the learned and the philosophy of. Of the philosophers and the cleverness of the clever and the discernment of the discerning, I will frustrate and nullify them and bring them to nothing. Where is the wise man, the philosopher? Where is the scribe, the scholar? Where is the investigator, the logis- 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 logician? Yeah, okay. Um, The debater. See, I'm not eloquent either. Thank God. (laughs) Um, Whereas the investigator, the debater of the present time and age, has not God shown up the nonsense and the folly of this world's wisdom? For when the world, with all its earthly wisdom, failed to perceive and recognize and know God by means of its own philosophy, God in his wisdom was pleased Through the foolishness of preaching salvation procured by Christ and to be had through him to save those who believed, who clung to and trusted and relied on him. For while Jews demandingly asked for signs and miracles and Greeks pursue philosophy and wisdom, we preach Christ the Messiah crucified, preaching which to the Jews is a scandal and is an offensive stumbling block. And to the Gentiles, it's absurd and utterly unphilosophical, so unphilosophical nonsense. Okay, so that's that's the, the big part of it. And what he's communicating here is there were two sides. There were the Jews and the Gentiles, and they were responding to Paul uh, in, in these two ways. And he's basically saying, where, where are the philosophers and the debaters of this age? God has brought them down to nothing. He has caused their wisdom to be seen for what it is. And further along, he says, the wisdom of, of man is what to God? Foolishness. The wisdom of man is foolishness to God, and the wisdom of God is what to man? Foolishness. The way he moves through the cross, it's all that we've been preaching with with the supernatural of deliverance is Jesus Christ crucified for our complete freedom in one thing. Not by works, not by us striving to fight against things. It is the cross. Jesus has done it. This is the gospel. And when Paul preached this gospel, they were saying foolishness. The Jews were saying, show us a sign, show us some miracles that we could believe what you're saying. And the Greeks, the Gentiles, which we fall into that category, they were saying, be philosophical. Show us some wisdom, speak eloquently for us so that we can understand in our minds what you're saying. And he refused to go on either side he refused to say well i will show you a miracle to prove this to you and he refused to say well i will be philosophical because paul was a genius he was an extremely learned man and he could have and you see him also at times proving the gospel but in this moment to the Corinthians. Because they were demanding this of him and saying, do this or we won't believe, do this or we won't concede. He said, no, I will not preach anything other than the power of the cross unto salvation, unto freedom, unto healing, which will be foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And this is what we're learning, not only with with this supernatural stuff, but also with our first principles groups, right? We've just been talking about there's a philosophy in the world, and there's a philosophy of Christ, the principles, right? Elementary principles of the world and elementary principles of Christ. And we no longer live according to the principles of the world. We have joined ourselves to Christ right like I sh- sh- shared last week i threw the pen our old life is gone we have a new life in Christ and that is is led by the spirit of god which is supernatural it cannot be comprehended with our natural mind it cannot We must comprehend it by the spirit of God inside of us. That's the only way. It's a spirit of revelation, a spirit of understanding to have knowledge of God. We cannot come to a a high knowledge of it in our mind. If we try to, we will end up elevating our thoughts above God's. And there's a scripture about that. Those that elevated their own thoughts above, their own knowledge above the knowledge of God. That's not what we're after. We're after a supernatural God, and that's why it it can be scary, yes, because you're stepping into some things that are unknown, right? You're stepping into a world of things that are unknown to us, and you have to receive by faith, by faith, saying, I believe even though I don't see, I believe in the truth, and the spirit inside of me testifies of that which is true. And even though it's weird or, or hard or different than I'm used to, I embrace it because God's wisdom is foolishness to the natural man. It's foolishness. It is absolute absurdity to the natural man. If we only think logically, and uh, and this is an interesting thing because I would consider myself a very logical thinker. When I approach situations in the world, I think logically, like linearly, like let me think through all the facts and all the information. That's typically how I think. But if we only think logically, we will logically think our way right into the wisdom of man. We will find ourselves elevating our own thoughts above the thoughts of God. Can you hand me my phone, please? I had a quote on there. I was, I've been thinking about this the past few days, and a lot of this language, um, I know we're diving in deep before worship, so I hope you're feeling okay with this. But a lot of, <laughs> sometimes worship helps us to prepare to hear, and, you know, we're, engage some, so hopefully you're okay, but I felt to do this first for a reason. So a, a lot of what this is labeled in, sus- in our language of today is humanism. And this is what I've been thinking about so much recently. For some reason, it's just been in my mind. And I've been looking up some stuff about humanism and humanists, and it's a, actually an organization that you could say, oh, I'm a, a humanist, and I'm part of this organization of people. The Amer- I looked up on the American Humanist Association. <laughs> so it's a, an actual organization that you could be part of like a church, like it's a community of people, right? But this is what th- their definitions of who they are, okay? So straight from their website, not someone else. They said humanist movements are typically non-religious movements aligned with secularism, and today, humanism may refer to a non-theistic life stance centered on human agency and looking to science rather than revelation from a supernatural source to understand the world. <laughs> okay, so basically what they're saying is we, we don't look to a God or a non-theistic, no God. We look to ourselves and science to understand the world. We don't look to revelation or a supernatural source. I mean, that is 100% contrary to Christianity, right? 100%. We look to revelation, and we look to a supernatural source to understand the world, right? To see the world, to see what's going on in the world, or that's how we should be. But what I've been thinking and pondering recently is how Humanism has so slyly crept into the church because of culture, because of how we've been taught, because of we think if we're eloquent or, or well thought of or logical that people will like us better and accept us better. But Paul was so clear, no, <laughs> I will not come to you with eloquent speech. I'm coming to you to preach one message, and it will be foolishness to those who don't believe. That is a fact. It will be foolishness to some, and it will be wisdom to others. You're going to see the divide. It's one or the other, right? I'm going to read one more thing that was on their website because I thought this was, um, it was a definition that they had come up with. Humanism is, uh, uh, this is like, it sickened me, but humanism is a joyous alternative to religions that believe in a supernatural God and life in the hereafter. Humanists believe that this is the only life of which we have certain knowledge and that we owe it to ourselves and others to make it the best life possible for ourselves and all with whom we share this fragile planet. A belief that when people are free to think for themselves using reason and knowledge as their tools, they are best able to solve the world's problems. Humanists Take responsibility of their own lives. Oh, humanism is in sum a philosophy of those in love with life. Humanists take responsibility for their own lives and relish the adventure of being part of new discoveries, seeking new knowledge, exploring new options. Instead of finding solace in prefabricated answers to the great questions of life, humanists enjoy the open-endedness of a quest and the freedom of discovery that this entails. That first line struck my heart so bad. A joyous alternative that this is the only life we have. I, I don't know how anyone could find joy in saying this is the only life we have. What a sad, sad thing to believe in. That this is the culmination of life. This is all we have to live for. And we take comfort. They t- humanists say they take comfort in knowledge in reason, and logical thinking. Now, are those things bad in themselves? No. We've, there's a spirit of knowledge in the Lord. There's a spirit of understanding. God has given us our minds to think, <laughs> right? Those are not bad things in themselves. I, I am a deep thinker. I love to think through things. The problem is, is when we come into this, we allow humanist thinking which permeates our culture. Think of every conversation you have with people who are in the world. They view life primarily through this lens that this life is all we have to offer. The things in the natural, we might as well make it the best we can because this is all we have. It's so sad, it's depressing, it's lonely, and it solves none of the world's problems. They say so that they could solve world's problems through this lens. This is what we've been talking about. Humanism will never, ever solve the world's problems. Ever. Ever. It cannot solve the world's problems. There is only one thing that can solve the world's problems. It is the gospel. It is Jesus Christ crucified. One message about one man for all of eternity. The cross was sufficient to pay for all sin so that we could be set free. And it moves us into a supernatural life, which is truly joyful, and we meet and can become agents of freedom for the world who's lost and captive and bound. But if we're living, if we're thinking with this logical humanism, when I say logical, I'm not saying the positive side. Here I am saying the negative side of it because I'm logical. Logical humanism, humanistic way of thinking where we view the world and become depressed. <laughs> we view the world and we think, wow, this w- there's no hope out there. And we were talking about hope last week. There's no hope. There's no joy. There's nothing we can do. And there are so many believers that have settled for this and haven't realized that there's a sly infiltration. And that's what we're doing, both sides, of, of studying the word, renewing our mind in the philosophy of Christ, throwing out, allowing God's word to expose places where we've received or walked in the philosophy, philosophy of man or humanist mindsets. We're allowing truth to expose that so that we can walk in a supernatural life. That's what Christ purchased for us. Not for us to just go on living like we've always lived. It's a supernatural life. That we've received from him and we get to walk in power in the earth, believing for things that are impossible in the natural because we have a God who does the impossible. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. It fills your life with purpose. That's Christ. That's him crucified and us walking in it. I mean, just uh, I'm going to end here. There's two more things I want to highlight Think about the Bible for a second. As believers, right, we all say we believe the Bible. (coughs) Think about the Bible, right? Jonah, swallowed by a whale, spit up on the ground after three days. Oh, yeah, I believe the Bible. Please tell me that if you heard someone was swallowed by a whale because they were disobeying God today, and got spit up on the ground of where they're supposed to prophesy, that you still believe that that's God. Because today we are so bound by humanist thinking, doubt, and unbelief that we would say that is not possible today. Okay? One example, Jonah swallowed by a whale. The Israelites standing in front of a large, massive body of water, and that water just splits in two. And they walk through, their enemies come behind them, and the water kills only their enemies. Okay, guys, supernatural. You cannot comprehend these things with your natural mind. If you think about this with your natural mind, you will say, impossible. Noah in the ark, one righteous man, builds a boat. There's never been rain before. There's never been rain, and he's saying it's going to rain. He builds a massive boat. Animals from all over the known world start to come on their own and get on the boat. You can't comprehend that with your natural mind. Either we believe that or we're in humanism saying that is impossible. That would never happen. No way did he build a boat and all these animals got on. Impossible. That believes in a supernatural being that's higher than ourselves which we do as christians that's what we've given our lives to we believe that god is real he is who he says he is abraham and sarah getting pregnant at a hundred years old 100 and and you could say well they live to to much older ages guys sarah was so shocked by the fact that she was pregnant, she said, me in my old age. She did not think she was young. She was well past the years of bearing, and she laughed at the promise. Can you imagine today an 80-year-old getting pregnant? Right? A- and the supernatur- the supernatural work of God and plan of God in the earth. These are real. David and Goliath, he had a small stone with a slingshot, Only knocked the guy in his temple and killed him for mocking God, for standing against the God of Israel. Daniel in the lion's den, guys, I'm just picking the big ones here. Daniel in the lion's den, he gets thrown in the lion's den and spends a night in peace, untouched by a lion who was going to, supposed to, rip him to shreds because of a supernatural God. It said, the angel closed the mouth of the lion. He was there. An angel showed up. I mean, think about it. Use this language today. Yeah, I was in my living room, and an angel showed up. Everyone would say, you are crazy. I don't believe you're telling the truth, right? Today, we don't believe in these things today, but for some reason, we say we believe When it happened in the Bible, there is a large, large gap between what we say we believe here to what we're actually walking out and believing. And of course, there's levels of discernment. People do make up stuff, okay? Okay people do make and we have discernment for that but there is a real god and there are angels showing up in the earth today there is supernatural activity happening today god still opens barren wombs he still does what is impossible that's who he is think about this the wall of jericho they walked around it only they walked around it multiple times just heard say walk around it walk around this massive wall Okay, God, we're going to just walk around. And the last time, just blow your trumpet. Make a loud noise. They make a loud noise. The wall crumbles. Do, Do you understand why the Israelites really believed in God? Look what's happening. They're trusting in his supernatural work, and supernatural things are happening in the earth because of their obedience. And they're constantly saying, look. The power of God. Look, our God is higher than any other. Look, he can do whatever he wants to do in the earth, and we are his people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get thrown into a furnace that the guards who threw them in died just from the heat of opening the door. And they are alive because Jesus shows up, or an angel Most likely Jesus shows up in the midst of it and preserves them. They walk out, not even with the smell of smoke on their clothes. Guys, amazing. This is our God. Supernatural, above it all. He is who he says he is. This is the the God that we serve and say yes to. He has not stopped doing miraculous, amazing things. Then Jesus shows up on the scene. That's just a handful. There's a a million more. Jesus shows up on the scenes, and every sick person who touched him or was around him, any person possessed by demons, demons were coming out left and right. He doesn't explain all the ones that happened, but it says he went around healing the sick, casting out demons, and preaching the gospel. He has been the same from the beginning of time all the way through now. And for some reason, there's a large disconnect where I say, yes, I believe, I believe what the Bible says, but I don't really. Because the minute it enters into my current context of living, I say this, I don't know about this. (laughs) I don't know about this. I don't know that God could do that. And I'm telling you, I was one of these people. Myself, when I joined the Crossing Life Church in New Hampshire, there was an outpouring of the Spirit that was happening. People were falling on the ground, having crazy, weird things, and I stood in the back and was judge of all. And I thought, you're crazy, and you're crazy, and you're crazy. You guys are causing chaos. This is not God. That's fake. That person's fake. That person's fake. And I, I was so concerned for the body so concerned for the church. Oh, God, what is happening here? You, m- Oh, God, you, you must be looking at this and thinking, what is this? You know, these leaders have no control. And I said, Lord, if this is you, if this is really you, you've got to make it happen to me because otherwise I will not believe. And I, I don't encourage saying stuff like that to God because we should hope, I would hope that we would believe, truly believe without having to see or encounter. But he does honor it. And he knocked me down. I literally was knocked down, and every meeting I was in, I was the most um, demonstrative (laughs) person in the group. I'd be on the ground, shaking, laughing, manifesting, yelling in tongues, jumping up and down, falling, prophesying, like crazy, crazy stuff. And at first I was embarrassed when it would happen, and I was like, I cannot believe I prayed that prayer. I can't believe I did this. But God was showing me something. Who are you to judge what I still do today? I'm a supernatural God. The things that I do look weird to you, but I'm doing something in the earth. And you have no right to exalt your knowledge above my knowledge or your judgment above what I'm doing. And from that point on in my life, because it was over a year of that happening to me, I went off to street life, and I wasn't around the community where it was happening. And I was doing this among people who had never seen that before, who had never. They're like, what the heck is wrong with this girl? And it kept happening. And I got to a place of such humility in my heart where I said, literally, God, you can do anything. I don't care what it looks like yeah, yeah, it might be fake, yeah, there might be some fake in it. yeah, there might be some some weird stuff that happen. We can deal with that as it comes, but do I believe that God can push people to the floor? A hundred percent. Do I believe that those manifestations look strange to the natural mind? One hundred percent. Do I believe that demons can be cast out of people and it looks and sounds weird? One hundred percent. That's who he is. It's always looked weird. It's always sounded weird. It sounds like foolishness to our natural minds. And, I, and I, I, don't, I hope this isn't coming across like, you know, oh, we're lacking faith or whatever it is. What I'm trying to create here is this context of we say we believe this. And God is preparing us. I'm going to end here with Matthew 11. God is preparing us for his move in the earth. And if, he, if we're not ready for this, we will be offended when he comes. We will be offended in how he comes and we'll be offended when he comes. Matthew 11. Jesus is addressing a crowd who John the Baptist had sent his disciples to say, John the Baptist was in prison. He sent his disciples and said, Jesus, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? And Jesus said, go back, tell John what you see. The lame are healed, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and blessed is he who is not offended by me. Okay? Blessed is he who is not offended by me. Then Jesus turns to the crowd, and he starts to address them. And he's talking about John. He said, what did you go out to see? A reed shaken in the wind? Someone dressed in king's soft clothing? What did you go out to see? Because the crowds were offended by John. They were offended by the way that he came. They were offended that he ate locusts and lived in the wilderness and wore f- uh, animal skins for clothing. They were offended. And Jesus said, what did, you, what did you expect to see of the one who was coming to prepare my way? And he said, there's no one greater than John the Baptist up until this point. And then he says, "I just that was a recap. You can read the chapter. He, in verse 14, he says, "If you're willing to receive it and accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come," which would be extremely offensive for those that were in his hearing in that moment for him to say that John was Elijah. And then he said, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear, and let him consider what is being said. What shall I like in this generation?" It is like little children sitting in the marketplace who call their playmates. They say, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang the dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds and her children. Jesus was saying, you've asked. You've asked. You said, we played the flute for you, and you didn't do what we wanted you to do. We played the dirge, and you didn't do what we wanted you to do. John came one way, and you blasted him because of the way he was fasting, he was praying. And they said he had a demon. John the Baptist, they said he had a demon. And Jesus The son of God, the Messiah, who came to die on a cross for sinners, they called him a gluttonous man and a drunkard because he feasted and he drank wine. And they were offended. They were offended by him. They were offended by his ways. But he said wisdom will be vindicated or justified by her deeds and her children, what she produces. He's talking about wisdom here. What did Paul, what was Paul talking about? The wisdom of God being foolishness to men. John was foolish to the world. Jesus was foolish to the world. And it was the wisdom and the power of God. And God is preparing us, getting us ready that we would not be found offended in the day that he comes, that we would not be found offended. By what he's saying or what he's doing or how he is moving in the church and through the church and in the world. And the only way that we can get to that place is to allow him to offend us, (laughs) truly, with his ways. Those areas where we say, he would never do that. Well, would he never? Would he never? He put Jonah in a whale for three days. Would he never? Would he never? God is so much bigger than we think. We cannot box him in to our uh, to our small ways of thinking. And when we allow him to blow our mind, Christianity becomes so much better. <laughs> it truly does. You begin to walk in this super where you see the world and the world's problems through the wisdom of God, and you don't care what you look like anymore. It doesn't matter what it sounds like anymore. You're moving in the power of God. And uh, the the thing I'm going to leave with today before we worship, because worship, uh, the reason why, part of the reason why I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to do this first is because worship is a supernatural, spiritual thing that we do. It's not just singing songs. We don't just do it to, to do it. It's a supernatural, spiritual thing that we engage with God. And we open up a spiritual realm for him to speak and for him to move. And sometimes, even in worship, even myself, as a worship leader, I can start moving in the natural. Guys, it's, it's not like a super uncommon thing, right? We, we work through this. We, we learn to focus on the spiritual realm and what God's doing in the supernatural realm and letting him offend us in these ways, letting him challenge us. And that's why we provide times for questions, (laughs) for dialogue, for processing, because we want to see every person in this community prepared for the day of the Lord. That's what we're concerned about. I, I don't care what it looks like, guys. I want your heart prepared. We want your heart prepared. We want your spirit prepared. We want your mind prepared for the day of his coming in the earth. That's what we're going after. That's what we're preparing here. That's what we're doing here, that we would not be offended in that day. And leaving you with this, that when you see supernatural works in the earth happening, Jesus said it will be vindicated by their fruit, by the children, right? What's being produced by what's happening we can judge by that, right? What's being produced by what's happening. And I want to remind you, even with some of this, I- it's not just the deliverance thing. That's just one thing I think that God kickstarted us on, like, you know, like, oh, there you go, de- right into the deep end. It's like the father throwing the kid in the deep end, like, go. That, That even with that, look at the fruit, guys. Look at the fruit of what's happening, a fruit that remains, not just here in other places. (laughs) And when you look at the fruit and say, wow, lives are being changed. People are giving their lives more and more to the gospel, more and more to Jesus as a result, that in itself is the justification of God's wisdom. Okay? That is the justification, the vindication in itself of God's wisdom wisdom, and we must, we must, I urge and encourage everyone here to, to allow the spirit to just shine and show any place that we might be have slipped in with humanist thinking, where we've just come down to this natural world, and it's easy, right? It's, a, it's the majority of our day <laughs> in the natural realm. But God is moving us into something else to see differently, to live supernaturally because he is a supernatural God. And you meditate on his supernatural works that can, they do not make sense. They absolutely, 100% do not make sense to your natural mind. They are impossible. And we're like, well, that's our God and that's how he moves and he's wanting to do it in us and through us as a community. Amen? So we're going to worship for a while.